How's it going out there, man? How you doing? We are in our midweek study sessions over here at the podcast, and we are looking into Exodus. We've been looking into Exodus, and we will find ourselves in chapter 4, portion of Scripture, verses 1 through verse 13, the recorded account, of course, of Moses, the chosen vessel for God's design and will, releasing the captives, his people, under the bondage of heavy oppression at the hands of the Egyptian powers. And uh, we want to look into those things. You can certainly go back to chapter 1, verse 1, through the archived video sessions we have on our platforms, more so, I believe, our YouTube channel, which I just opened not too long ago, our Rumble channel that's been open for a while, and also on our Facebook page. Our Facebook uh, Added Souls page, yeah. Stefan Maya is my name. AddedSouls.com is my website. I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here on the East Coast of Canada. We are a healthy and growing congregation. We have elders and we have families. We have youth. We have seniors. We have everything in between. We are growing families and uh, cultivating culture for the great I am. We love the truth. We want to live according to the truth and the compassion and forgiveness that is found therein. Goals, purpose in life, all those wonderful things are available to you if you find yourself on the east coast of Canada and seek to tap into a local assembly uh, like ours. You can check out our .com at its, uh, sorry, east coast, Church of Christ. Dot com. And we have a Facebook page as well, East Coast Church of Christ. And you can obviously hear and see updates and, and reports and, and just sharing our faith on my personal profile on Facebook. And also, more so in detail, if you're seeking to support the kind of work, you can go and sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. It's free to sign up, but once you are there, uh, if you'd like to get involved, you certainly can. That's available to you. We operate through God's good grace. If you choose to uh, a willing and able mind, support the work. The opportunity is certainly before you, and it helps put food on the table. Motivates us, of course, to keep doing the, the work, and uh, we do so. It's a good thing. We got so many wonderful um, operations, if you will, coming in the weeks ahead for other content. We have uh, finally been able to uh, order the um, tech supplies, if you will, necessary for uh, various podcast sessions we're going to be having with members of the congregation here and our youth having their own podcast session, which will be interesting to see the mind, of course, of uh, uh, teenagers as they have conversations on random things. It could be entertainment, you know, it could be food, it could be arts, it could be uh, this, that, and the other. It doesn't matter. It will all be governed, of course, from a Christian worldview, and there will be discussions on uh, uh, Christian practices and the Bible and whatnot. And so all of those things will be made available in the coming uh, months, certainly, Lord willing. And uh, so uh, when you support the Added Souls ministry through the Maya family, you support a host of a great many things, of course, the congregation. We get to work with this mission and grow this mission, and we get to produce more content and material and be uh, approachable and uh, just have the gospel reach all over the place 
this community in focus, of course, this local assembly in priority, uh, but around the world. Uh, we have individuals who study with us from Pakistan, you know, uh, <laughs> underground there, uh, from China, from anywhere. Uh, and so um, the Added Souls Ministry was um, a work created with the blessing of the great I Am for the purpose of the kingdom. And it was in three-point form, and it remains intact this hour, which is to, number one, reach the faithless, Number two, to renew the fallen. And number three, to reinforce the faithful. And we're going to keep at it. We're not going to give up. We're going to persevere, even through all the challenges that lay ahead. So in our session today, the theme of the day, the midweek study, uh, is uh, in Exodus chapter 4. And the portion of Scripture, once again, is from verse 1 through verse 13. You can check out the itinerary over there. You may find something you like. Please consider subscribing, liking, sharing, drop a comment. Really, share the link far and wide on your social media platforms. It It's something that co don't cost anything, and it just may help somebody out there, like you and I, who may find some worth in the information of the scriptures rightly handled. Right? Good stuff? All right. I'm going to put up the text on the screen, and you and I will be able to go through it, as has been our tradition. It works well, and we'll slowly get into the rhythm of the context and the theme and the things we can observe, the things we can uh, uh, capture uh, for, of course, our practical application for encouragement, edification, and challenge. Obviously, we need to change where change is due, where change is necessary. We need to change, myself included. If I need to change the way I think, I need to change the way I think. If it's for the greater good of the, of the kingdom, if it uh, matures my, my character, my behavior in a more Christ-like fashion, then that's what we want to do, right? We're not perfect, but we certainly uh, want to follow the one who is perfect, and by following faithfully the one who is perfect, uh, he sees us as his children, perfect in his eyes because of the power, of course, of the cross. And uh, that is a valuable substance in today's world where it's <laughs> laced with all sorts of uncertainties and error and corruption. Uh, what a blessing it is to have uh, insight within the realm of the unique definite article, truth it sets us free, and we want to tap into that. And these accounts recorded of ages past, millennia ago, uh, stands true and inspired this hour. It, it, it indeed reveals, as always, God's nature, his love, his grace, his justice, his strength, his power, and mankind and the ailment of the flesh and our desires and our need our longing for the great I am and uh, the, the, the hits and misses, right? The, 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 the twos and fro's and uh, the do's and don'ts of it all. And, and it's a wonderful, well-woven, orchestrated account. And uh, we've been finding all sorts of gems uh, for discussion. And that's what we want to do. We start off a bit slow like this, introductory kind of stuff, just getting our minds ready. And then once the flow of the text begins, we, we really tap into that. And so we have to be patient. Number one, in this TikTok generation, everything's like, give me two seconds of your time. That's all I want. That's all I need. No, listen, you need to slow down a bit there, get to the molasses, honey kind of, kind of drip and, um, just, just soak in what it is we're going to be looking into. Uh, it, it, 
it could be a great benefit to your life if you are open to the information, honest and sincere to the education, the knowledge found therein. So in Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, let me switch over to the screen share location where, there you go, you find the text on the screen for yourself because, hey, I may, I may just get it wrong. You know, that's possible. I'm not perfect. I may get it wrong. I may not interpret it properly. Maybe your interpretation is the proper interpretation. Maybe both of our interpretations are sound in doctrine and are permissible from both perspectives, growing a greater insight to various, uh, um, how should I say, branches of the account. And so all of these things, of course, are applicable. And uh, I always want you to look at the text. I'll encourage you always to read it for yourself. Obviously, read it for yourself. Anyone who's telling you you can't read it because you won't understand it and you need a gatekeeper to understand it is, is a red flag. Stay away from those things. The Pharisees, the diatrophic soul, they, these kinds uh, will practice that and will have you thinking yourself lower than what is capable of understanding the Bible and you don't want to fall prey to those uh, man manipulative deceptions. Um, sadly, that's what we see out there in the ocean of quote-unquote Christendom is individuals falling prey to uh, the tyranny of deceivers uh, to that end. And so we don't want to do that. We want to be able to open the Bible and read the Bible for ourselves and see the words for ourselves and, and, and uh, formulate in our mind the context and be honest with it. You won't have a problem with the Bible if you're honest with it. That, see, that's, that's the key here. You will not have a problem with what the scriptures read. Matter of fact, you will find yourself passionately involved, intimately uh, seeking uh, the truth therein if you are honest with the text. And seeking, of course, uh, liberation from the bondage and shackle of a, of a, a deceived mind and, and, and the many myth and sensational pathogens of error uh, that we uh, have all around us in our landscape. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, it says here, of course, always in connection to the flow of the account. Right? Chapter 1, there's a new king in town, a new king in Egypt, and he don't like Joseph, he don't want to know about Joseph, and he don't care much about the Hebrews. Matter of fact, he's frightful of them. He don't want them to overtake him one day, and all that kind of stuff. So he's got this paranoia, this delusional, uh, tyrannical uh, oppression upon them, hard labor and control, and he wants to murder them. And he, so he, in his government, he creates politics and policies to enforce murder upon the people. And, and uh, uh, well, some of the people, they fear God more than they fear the new king in Egypt, which could have been an execution for them, but they stood courageously against him in a very wise manner. And we went through that. I encourage you again to go check that out in our archived videos. So that takes place, and uh, they defy the orders and policies and governing politics of the day, and uh, little baby Moses is preserved. The package of prestige uh, is, is uh, secured, and um, he grows up. Moses grows up, right? Comes a young man, and he sees things, and he observes things, and he experiences things. He sees, of course, and experiences the hard labor and bondage at the hand of an Egyptian oppression, and that is difficult in of itself because of what he inserted himself into a problem by striking an Egyptian uh, 
citizen and not only citizen but uh individual of 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 law and that causes a problem doesn't it and then uh, with that insight gained in his life he god blesses him with another adding to his wisdom which was the moment he recognizes that his own kind not only you know okay uh, the egyptians are the bad guys we see that the egyptians are bad okay well he finds out that not only the egyptians are bad but that his own people are bad too some of them have a bad heart as well whoa whoa wait wait what yeah and so for his life he flees obviously but with all these wisdoms and he finds himself in a location where he thinks he has a new chapter in life well he does actually for for a brief time this this a portion of peace enters his life he finds a wife he finds a location of nourishment and and career and children and so he's he's quite content uh with uh, the works he has and he clings to those comforts and there's nothing wrong with that per se however he is going to be called to a higher position if you will or a measurement of greater status for his office not to be there in midian but rather to go to egypt and be the vessel in which god will utilize to release his people and well he don't want that really you know that's just i mean i had that <laughs> god listen that was just not in my calendar i don't really have time for that i'm not really the guy you want for that the these kind of excuses of course come up and hey listen let's not be too harsh on moses you and i know if we're being transparent that we might as well have said a great many of those things <laughs> oh man listen i just fled for my life they are seeking my head on a platter over there I've seen bad from the Egyptian. I've seen bad from my own kind. I'm, I'm, I'm safe in Midian here. I have a life. I have a career. I have my family, my belongings. And here you are talking about going into the realm of, of, of uncertainty and, and uh, a great many ho- hostile elements. Well, I, I'm not the guy for you. I mean, I know you're God and, and I'm I want to believe you know all things and that I should. I know I have to listen to you, obviously, but you see the, the, this kind of train of thought flows uh, to that direction. And so in chapter uh, three, last uh, we saw was, of course, the mission that was given to Moses. And Moses, in uh, interaction with God, was seeking to rebuttal a great many things. And that, of course, will continue a bit as we get into the text and that's exactly what we're doing here friends i really appreciate your kind attention to all of this again please consider subscribing liking sharing drop a comment share the link far and wide moses in verse one here chapter four says what if they will not believe me or listen to what i say (laughs) we're pretty good with the what ifs right and there's nothing wrong with the what ifs per se Motivated by the right kind of heart, it it, it functions. It's permissible. Uh, again, I insert uh, the utilized a great many times illustration of the two individuals from the two uh, the two individuals from the same community asking the same question. Two individuals from the same community asking the same question: Are there any police officers here? What's the difference then? What's the what's the point you are making? Well. You see, one is asking because his house has been broken into and he is seeking the assistance of law to um, serve him uh, in, 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 in uh, uh, finding, uh, uh, finding the individual who has pretty much robbed his house. So he's seeking assistance, right? He, he's, 
he is vulnerable to it. He is <clears throat> desperate. He, he's passionately seeking law. He needs help. He wants the public assistance of, of the law. So he's asking, is, are there any police officers here? Well, the other individual is asking this very same question. Are there any police officers here? But the reason he's asking is because he just robbed his neighbor's house, right? So he's seeking to flee from the law. Are th is there any police officers here? Yeah, there's a few of them. He's gone with the wind, man. He's, 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 he's running. He's on the run. Well, you know, why is Moses saying, why is Moses asking the, the question? Why is he seeking these what ifs? I mean, the, the what ifs, if they come from the right kind of uh, heart, the right motive, they can be useful. They find utility in one's faith growing. However, if it is in a more sinister position or uh, running from the law manner, if you will, it's not going to be productive at all. Matter of fact, it's going to galvanize you further away from the truth. And we don't want to do that. So Moses, he says to God, he says, hey, listen, God, what if the Hebrew people, you're sending me over there, you want me to tell, you know, speak to the Egyptian king there to release the people and all that kind of stuff? Well, what if, what if they're not going to believe me or listen to what I have to say? You know, I'm just a man. I'm nothing special here. I mean, they may say to me, the Lord has not appeared to you. Like, where's your evidence? What evidence do you have that God appeared to you or that you were before God? And remember, this is from Moses' interpretation, his mind, how he's seeing it at this time as a man walking on earth, just like you and I. Well, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? Uh, anything I have to say. I mean, what if they even say that, 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 no, God's not appeared to you. We don't believe you. You're a liar. I mean, that's possible. I would say that. Obviously, if you appear to me and say, God talked to me in my dreams last night. Oh, really? Right, right. Where's your evidence? Well, of course, there is no evidence in today's age, but way back in the millennia past, there was. This is during the dispensation of time in which God would directly divinely insert himself among mankind. Uh, that has been confirmed by a element, of course, of supernatural occurrence. And that is what this will lead into as we move forward in the account. So Moses wants to know, what am I supposed to do? You're not going to throw me out there defenseless, are you? And that's interesting because it's kind of the assumption or uh, the insertion here, right? It, it, what are we going to do? What, what, what am I supposed to do? Well, God's never going to allow us to go out there among the world and their fallen ways without defense. You and I today, that simply means a very practical uh, form. Uh, we have the 66 books of the Holy Bible, the perfect law of liberty, the words of the Holy Spirit. If a book that God took the time to accumulate, complete, fulfill, and make perfect is not sufficient, then uh, forget about it. I mean, if the words of the Holy Spirit are not sufficient, the written words to which we can all go to, the book of the law, his grace, his mercy, his justice, if we can't go there, where, you, where will we go? And we've had conversations about this numerous times on my channel. Well, you go nowhere's. We become our own gods, and we tell everyone, well, God speaks to me, so I'm the privileged among all of you. And the next thing you know, you're on some kind of channel on TV as an evangelist, a TV evangelist who says, God can speak to me directly. Give me all your money. I need another private jet and all that nonsense. And you have millions of people succumb to that deception because they are void of the Bible. Well, 
back in the age in which Moses walked the earth, the scriptures were being compiled. Of course, there were it was in the in the mind of God from the very beginning. They were being written, but it was in direct connection. There needed to be a confirmation of the divine's uh, uh, direct endowment and uh, walk among mankind, and it came in pen form. The Holy Spirit writing the words and the accounts through the vessel of mankind, which is why God took 15 to 1600 years and 40 different men from different historical period uh, timelines and, and, and uh, cultures and kinds and all of that to a well-woven, well-inspired literature. Okay, a bit of an excursion there, just to the point. It is true uh, to its end. And so in this account, Moses, again, here to the context, is uh, having some concerns Right, he's got some concerns, and again, God's not going to leave him defenseless. You and I today are not defenseless, we have the Bible. Moses was not going to be defenseless because back then he would have God directly. Today, we have God through his word, which is how he designed it. This is his mind, this is how he wanted it. To say otherwise is to go against God and his power, to diminish his intelligence and his insight by saying, Well, the Bible's not enough. Well, then apparently God taking all those years and all those men and going through all those things is not enough. Okay, so you're smarter than God. That's ultimately what we say when we say the 66 books of the Holy Bible, the proven text is not enough. Well, Moses is pretty much saying, well, how am I going to be defensible? I mean, there's nothing to defend. I'm just a man. How am I going to do this? Well, God's not going to leave you defenseless. God's going to be with you directly in this age through the supernatural, through the miraculous. Of course, there would be a cessation of that age. There was an expiration date to that, and it was revealed by the mind of God through the penmanship of the Holy Spirit for you and I today, who live in a different dispensation of time. You and I live under the age of the Messiah, the Christ. We live after the cross. If you need any more information about that, links to certain articles or studies in the Bible, rightly handled, rightly interpreted, something tangible you can hold on to, a real, genuine faith. Reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to point you to the Bible. (laughs) Okay, so the Lord says, of course, to Moses, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. Now, listen, this is, you got to capture these very intricate little moments in the text. You really have to formulate this perspective. Moses is saying, I don't have any defense. What do you want me to defend myself with? with These people aren't going to believe me. I'm just a man. I have nothing to hold. And God turns around and says, what's in your hand? Well, a staff. Yeah, you're holding something. You have something of defense. Interesting, isn't it? Well, how am I going to convince people out there that they need you, Father, that they need God and your son? These people are in sin and these people, you know, they're not going to believe me. What, What do we have? What's that book you have in your hands? What's that book you have in your hands? Well, it's the Bible. I can't do... No, you're right. It's just a book with words. Can't do much, can it? Well, no, until... Until God breathes the inspiration within it. And you do your part in receiving it and understanding it and utilizing it for the greater good of the kingdom. It's just a staff. It's just a piece of wood until... God. There was nothing until God. Right. He creates, 
He puts everything in order. In the beginning, God created. Okay, well, it was nothing until God made it something. Because God has always been. It's a piece of wood. It's just a staff. What is that going to... I can't convince anyone. Well, if you keep thinking that way, you certainly won't. Because the problem isn't on God's end. It's in your heart. Well, it's just an it's just an old book written by old men with a whole bunch of words, and it doesn't do anything. Well, yeah, if you keep thinking that way, certainly it will not activate itself. It's meant to be activated within the hearts and minds of men who receive it. If you're not going to receive it, yeah, you're right, it's just a book, burn it. It ain't going to do you any good. However, faith does something quite powerful, doesn't it? It puts trust in the evidence of the written word, and the written word is alive. It breathes. It pierces you through and through. It will change your life, and it can change others. It's a sword. So we must utilize the wisdom therein, training us to the description of sword wielding and knowing how to utilize this weapon in a way that is proper to God's will. See how that works? All I got is a staff. Well, what do you? What's in your hand? Well, I have a staff. Yeah. Well, it's more than that, will it? Well, isn't it? When God says it is, of course. Hey, look, water. What prevents me from being baptized? Remember what the Ethiopian eunuch said to the evangelist there, Philip, in Acts chapter eight. Look, water. He had been receiving the proclaimed word of the Christ through the scriptures, Isaiah, to be precise, right? And so he hears the gospel proclaimed, and as a result of the gospel proclaimed, his first thought is, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Well, nothing. Here's the thing. Do you believe? Well, yeah. Oh, okay. You qualify. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe the words that were spoken to you, that were interpreted and proclaimed to you, if you if you know that to be true and you trust that, then, then you believe in Jesus, then there's nothing hindering you. You qualify to be immersed. Well, well now, wait a minute. It's just water. It's just water. Water can't save anyone, can it? Can water save anyone? Well, no, until (laughs) faith says Jesus is going to save my soul when I am born again out of water and the Spirit, when I am immersed, plunged, dipped, submerged, clothed, buried, right, with Jesus, when I go to the tomb And I am buried with him, and through the power of his resurrection, I come up out of that water, washed of sins. 1 Peter 3.21, Mark 16.16, Acts 2.38, Colossians 2.12, Galatians 3.26 and 27, Romans 6.3 and 4. I could go on and on. It's just water. Water can't save us. Water never has saved us. But Jesus can. And if Jesus says, that's where I'm going to save you, then that's where we are saved. Acts twenty two sixteen. Now it's just a staff. It's just a piece of wood. Can't do nothing until faith, God. It's just a book. It just, it just has words. Until God, faith. Right. Okay. So we got that? Make sense? Of course it does. Has to. <laughs> it has to make sense. It's, what, it, it, it's, the, it's the structure and revealing of the word when you read it. So the Lord said to Moses, what is that in your hand? You're holding something. And Moses says, well, a staff, just a piece of wood. Then then God, then Jesus says, right? 
which is, of course, the accuracy of the burning bush, the second uh, person of the Godhead here. So then God says, throw it on the ground. You actually need to do something with the staff. You have the Bible in your hand? Yeah, it's just a book. Well, okay, we're already done. We need to, okay, okay, I believe it's your word. Okay, now we can do, now you have to do something with it. You mean it's not just meant to be closed, gathering dust in the corner of the house somewheres? That's not enough? No. No, no, you, no, it isn't. Hey, Moses, do you have a piece of wood in your hand? Yeah. Well, there's something you need to do with it. What's that? Throw it on the ground. What do we have to do with the Bible? Read it. Study it. Learn it. Know it. Live by it. Proclaim it. Teach it. Teach it. Share it. Throw it on the ground, he says, with the staff. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Oosh, what just happened there? That'd be kind of scary. The staff turns into a slithering snake. And Moses, of course, fled from it. Well, yeah, I would as well. I have the Indiana Jones kind of uh, outlook on this one. I hate snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? But the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. You have the Bible? There's a way to use it. Use it the way I tell you. If you use it the way I tell you, it will work. It will work. Really? Yeah. You have faith? Yeah. That's what you need. Okay. Stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. So isn't that interesting? Isn't that such a fascinating thing where <laughs> you do what God says and the results are fruitful? The results are accomplished. The goal is achieved. It works. Whoever believes in Jesus and is baptized for the forgiveness of sins is saved. No. Okay, well, it'll never work for you, I guess. It'll never work that way. Well, of course it works if you read it and you believe it and you do what it says. God says, hey, you got something in your hand. It's more than a piece of wood if I'm involved with it. And I am. But you have to do your part. Throw it on the ground. Throws it on the ground. Well, there's something more to it. What's that? Stretch it out in your hand. Do it, catch it by the tail and stretch it out. You do what God says, and it works. Isn't that fascinating how that, that's a thing? Okay, so let's keep going here. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. And in verse 5, that, uh, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, very descriptive. You see how God is very descriptive? So that they believe. What's the whole, what's the purpose? What's the drive? What's the, what, what are we seeking to achieve here? What's the objective? That people believe in God. And not only that they believe, that they love him. Because a great many people believe in Jesus, but they hate him. Demons believe in Jesus. You are aware of that. Would anyone say, well, the demons love Jesus? Well, No but they believe in him. You had many believers in the first century who believed in Jesus, but they did not love him. 
I assure you, the Pharisees believed in Jesus. They saw him raise the dead. They couldn't deny it. So they had to do all sorts of nefarious, malicious, and duplistic things against him. But they believed in him. They knew he was real. They saw him. We need people to believe in Jesus. We need them to love Jesus and do what Jesus says. Not out of a uh, reluctant, um, a reluctant heart of sorts. No, but a willingness, a passion to be pleasing to our master and be a servant. And no love, and no compassion, and no understanding. and All these beautiful things. Why am I doing this thing with this staff? Why am I obeying your word? So that, your pe that my people will believe and they will do as I say. Why do we have the Bible? Why are we using the Bible for? Why are we learning this book for? So that people can learn and believe. So that we can learn and believe and love God. Because he loves us. Simplistic, isn't it? Sadly, in the world of religious things out there, it's just too simple for them. Got to complicate it with all kinds of nonsense, all kinds of erroneous teachings. Okay, so... The reason, Moses, you're going to be doing all these things, he says, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. How will they know that we belong to you, Master? Because you will be endowed miraculously by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was speaking, of course, of the promise, yeah, the comforter, the helper, designed specifically to the 12 vessels, the apostles that he had chosen. They were going to become the recipients of the outpoured power of the Holy Spirit, weren't they? Well, of course they were. Why? To confirm the word that they were indeed from God, so that the word would be solidified and completed, perfect, knowing that it came from divine source. How are we going to know if Moses is a man of God and that he truly saw God and that the message he's delivering to us is from God because of the miraculous power, the supernatural occurrence will activate as a sign to the people where they need to be pointed to, not the miracle in of itself, but the words, the words, that is what is important. The apostles in the first century were endowed by the Holy Spirit. All of this, of course, was promised by Jesus to them, specifically in context. If you respect the grammar and the context in John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, I believe. And it was fulfilled, of course, and accomplished in Acts chapter 1 and 2. And the, the apostles, the apostles only, the 12 apostles endowed by the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit were capable of standing up among the people and proclaiming the truth. And that's what they needed to listen to, the truth. The miraculous was but a sign pointing to the truth that was spoken. Well, God, how are the people going to believe that it's you who sent me and it's your word? Well, do what I tell you to do with that staff. Use the staff as I command you to use it, and they will know. They will believe. That's the purpose. And I like how he's descriptive, of course, to uh, great length, the God that Moses is serving, so that the people are not misunderstood here, misguided on which God that is. It's the living God, the God of their fathers, 
the lineage, the ancestral tree, the bloodline of their kind. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That God. The God. Oh, you see, we have to be specific today as well. Which God do you serve? Well, I serve the Catholic God. Another one says, well, I serve the Baptist God. Another says, well, the Pentecostal God. The House of Nazareth God. The Salvation Army God. The Gospel Hall God. The Anabaptist God. The Presbyterian God. The, Un the Orthodox God. The Church of England God. The Well, you see, it goes on for th thousands and thousands and thousands of different gods, all claiming that they serve the one true God, but in logical, court-like uh, defense of the truth, uh, the, 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 in an honorable court of law, that, that wouldn't stand because the description of those gods does not match the description of the Bible's God, the God of the Bible. Will you find similarities? Well, of course you find similarities. There would have been similarities with the gods of Egypt, with the true and living God, and that is, of course, quite deceiving, but it is true nonetheless. Uh, the Catholic God will tell you their God is eternal. Well, is that true of our God, the God of the Bible? Well, yes. But when you look into the many facets and branches of other descriptive descriptors, their God is very different than ours. The Islamic God, Allah, one would say is the powerful God, the eternal God. Well, our God is described the same way in the Bible. Do we serve the same God? No, we do not. Most certainly not. The Hindu gods have similarities. Well, where do you think they take all of these similarities from? The true one living God. They just distort to their own selfish ambitions, like the world and ocean of denominationalism to which you and I were born and raised in, to which you and I have long lineage and ancestry from. Whether it be Catholicism, the Baptist Church, or everything in between, some of us, of course, remove ourselves, are called out of that deceitful web, and we begin with humble heart to truly study the scriptures for ourselves with the independent accountability that God has blessed us with. And we begin to recognize that we do not need to belong to any of these man-made gods and locations, but rather we can belong to Christ, our master, and be legal citizens of his kingdom, his church. All of this information is in the Bible. I didn't make this up. I'm not smart enough to do that. It's all in the Bible. So, I find it quite interesting that uh, God would describe himself quite accurately so that they know exactly who he is. I'm not, an, I'm not one of these Egyptian gods. I'm not one of the gods that your own kind might have created in his own, inter, in his own image. No, I'm the God of the Bible, the God of Isaac, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we have to have that similar principle active in our faith today. I speak an ancient language to those of us who belong to an ancient of days, the ancient of days. Um, it's a language everyone can understand if they seek it. The God of the Bible is not the same God that we see out there today. All these different gods were created in the image of men, and they claim it Christianity. But it doesn't belong to Christ, nor is it Christianity. Though you may find similarities, 
And here, another illustration I utilize quite often. My wife is uh, mine. We are equal together in union. Two have become one. My wife. I know her. I can identify her in a location where there are thousands of women. Now, if she were found in a location where there are thousands of women around her, I would still be able to point her out and know who she is. How is that possible? Because all other women have legs and arms and faces and eyes and noses. I mean, what's the difference? They all have similarities. Is that not enough? Is that not something to call united in their differences? No, not at all. That's not how God works. And you know that if you're honest, if you're being sincere with yourself, and you, and you, <laughs> you know this. Okay, well, there are a great many gods out there, denominational gods. They all have different names, and they all have different descriptions because they were created in the image of men. But they have similarities. Some might say, I believe in Jesus. Well, what kind of Jesus? Well, the eternal king. Well, okay, that's a descriptor. That, that That's something that the God of the Bible would be described as. So, and you see, that's how we are manipulated into a different God, by some of the seeds of truth that are dropped in there. They may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Through the miraculous powers, they will act agency to uh, pointing the people to the word. And that's how they'll know. It's just, a, it's just a piece of wood. It's just a staff until God. It's just water until God. Faith, our part. Faith, trust in God. And which God? Well, it's very specific. The God of the Bible. The God of the Bible. No other God. And, 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 and when I say these things in regards to denominations, please know that we have friends, family, neighbors, coworkers who are in a great many denominations and we love them and we respect them and we honor them and we have conversation and and there's no hatred towards individual the truth however does refute and rebuke the doctrines the teachings that are erroneous that are falsehoods that go against the god of the bible and that is indeed what is being exposed here uh, you can ha find a great many individuals who are morally upright, who have integrity, who are kind and compassionate, forgiving, uh, loving people, who are sadly snared within religious uh, misguidance and uh, false doctrines and denominationalism. Uh, the Bible refutes those doctrines. But there's no attack here against uh, upright behavior. We are speaking about the system of beliefs that are out there. And God wanted Moses to, to deliver to the people the precision of which God he was speaking about. The God of their fathers. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we too must be quite precise in which God we are speaking about. We are speaking about the God of the 66 books of the Holy Bible. It's just a book until God. Well, what if they don't believe me? Well, use the word. And if they still don't believe you, leave him be. God never put a gun, gun to our heads. Leave him be. Some people will never want to believe. Most will never want to listen to these words. Never. But some will. Some will. And again, to that end, subscribe, like, share, comment, 
share the link. Maybe others out there, the very few out there, somewheres, will find value in the material we we uh, produce. So in verse 6, the Lord furthermore said to, to Moses, Now put your hand into your bosom. So Moses put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Hey, whoa, wait a minute. Staff turning into snake? My hand turning leprous like snow? What's going on here? Well, of course, it was purposely designed by God's mind to give insight into the direction of... Um, the direction in which, well, how should I say this? It's a bit of insight for Moses. Shock therapy. It's a bit of insight for Moses in the direction God is going to take and the approach and the effort to liberate his people. Remember the plagues and everything? Everything that was going to be, it, it has that theme. And it's governed with purpose. There's a reason that the staff turned into a serpent and that the hand turned leprous. He's teaching Moses, and it is with supernatural power he's doing so. And I find it quite interesting how the first one is with an object that is found outside the body of Moses, a staff, a piece of wood. And the other is found within the bosom, his hand. Not only must we utilize the Bible as an, as, as an object that is found outside but we must be willing to understand it from what is found within as well. You see that? So the Lord, of course, has Moses do this. And then the Lord says, put your hand into your bosom again. So Moses puts his hand into his bosom again. And when he took it out of his bosom, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. My people in their bondage, I have heard. They are snared within the realm of all sorts of ailment and spiritual leprosy. I've heard their cry. I am going to liberate them and make them clean. If they will have it, they have the free will to accept that. They can choose to reject that, but they have the free will to receive this liberation. The bosom is the location, of course, of security. And it can make you clean. Will they accept this? Quite a teaching. Quite a teaching from, uh, from our Lord. Verse 8. If they will not believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, they may believe the witness of the last sign. How many signs do you need before you humble yourself to God and accept that... We were wrong, and he was right. Some of us, the first sign is enough. Okay, I, I, you got it, man. I, I, I'm. That's, that's enough for me. I've, I've, yep, I've learned my lesson. No need to learn any more of that. I appreciate the discipline. I have been humbled, challenged, pierced, humbled into uh, wanting to learn your love and why you would want to liberate a people who have hated you or have lacked in faith or have I, I, yes I, I that's it I, 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 one sign is enough for me but you know it as well as I 
some of us have a hard head, a stiff neck, and a rebellious heart. And uh, we need to go to the very last sign until we are completely, completely destroyed. And just like, I could, I'm humbled. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, go eat some grass. <laughs> some of us have to make it to the grass eating. Um, but yeah, that they may believe the witness of the last sign. Verse 9. But if they will not believe even these two signs or heed what you say with God wants you to succeed and he will do every single, he has done everything necessary for us to succeed. I mean, look at how he made Joseph succeed. God was with him and Joseph wanted that. Joseph sought that passionately, feared God, loved God. And so he was successful. If they will not believe even these two signs or heed what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. They're going to have to liberate the people. There are There is a process. There is a teaching. And um, how far and hardened of heart will we go? Um, I'd much rather not go all the way. <laughs> I'd much rather see the sign and be like, okay, okay. Uh, the love of God is much better than the hatred of a fallen world. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you see it truly with a genuine heart. So if they will not believe even these two signs or heed what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. Water, dry ground. And the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. So Moses, you, you have faith, trust in what I say. There is a divine power at work here. And there is a purpose with all these things. Staff, snake, bosom, leprosy, cleaning, blood, water, Nile. It's not just an accident. It's designed by the penmanship of the Holy Spirit. These accounts written and the things that have happened for our learning, my dear friends, for our learning. And we are wise to pay attention to that. So Moses says to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. For I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Moses would have been educated. Moses would have known a few things. He would have known enough, wouldn't he? But yet, I understand why Moses is saying these things. And if we are transparent, as we should, we can admit that in his position, we might have just said the same things. Is it a matter of his humble heart? Or is it a matter of, well, I want to preserve the life I now have. I'm in Midian. I'm married. I have kids. I mean, I have a career. I have family and, and material accumulation. I mean, I'm... Uh, I fled from death, you know, and uh, uh, why would you want me to go and do these things? I mean, he's just experienced 
miraculous occurrence. He's speaking to a burning bush that is not consumed by the flame. It's not enough? I don't know. Apparently there is more to learn. Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent. I just don't have the proper formula, the, the proper linguistic formula. I don't have the persuasive speech. I mean, I just say I'm not educated to that kind of uh, office. You want me to be at level 10. I'm at level 6 at best on good days. I can't go fight. I can't go fight the, the, the main boss. I can't go fight Bowser yet. <laughs> well, of course you can, because it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. And when you make it about God, then you will find liberation. And through you, there will be freedom. God is the source. Salvation is not in the law. Salvation is in the lawmaker. Does that mean we throw away the law? Well, no. The lawmaker made the law. Please, Lord. Please. I, 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 I've never been eloquent. Neither recently nor in my past. Like, it's not a gem I hold in my treasury. Okay? It's not something I have uh, access to. I'm not going to be able to persuade anyone. I'm not eloquent. What kind of people did Jesus choose for his immediate entourage? Did he go to the prestige socio status of the Sanhedrin? Huh? Did he go there to find the educated? Right? The lawyers and the scribes and the chief priests and the elders and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Did he go there? Or did he go to the water to find fishermen, hardworking, rough around the edges? Where did he go? Moses, Moses, Moses. It doesn't matter. Your weaknesses, your shortcomings will be made whole. How? God. It's just a piece of wood. It's just a staff until God. It's just a book. just has words until God. It's just water. Can't do nothing until God. So he uh, says, yeah, I'm not eloquent. Uh, I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. I don't have a way with words. I'm not a great orator. I can't. Practice these things, I don't have access to them. Well, the Lord says to Moses, Who has made man's mouth? <laughs> I love how God is so wise. So wise. The first thing he says in the first, uh, or let me put it this way. What's in your hand, God says? Well, staff. Like, how am I going to have to, how am I going to prove myself to these people? How am I going to believe in me? What's in your hand? Staff. Well, I don't have what it takes. I, I can't. I mean, I can't. I don't have the words. I don't know. <laughs> well, who made man's mouth? Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. 
but render to God what belongs to God. What belongs to God? What has been created in his image? Man. Who made your mouth? Stop thinking you. That's the problem here. Deny self. Pick up the cross daily. Follow the master. Stop trusting in self. You're going to get it wrong all the way. This whole worldly thing about trust your heart. You'll feel it. You'll know. No, you won't. And you'll be led astray by your own self-deception, creating your own form of Christianity in your own image and uh, persuading yourself with a hardened conscience, firmly convinced that you're on the way to heaven when in reality you are not. Stop trusting in self. Who made your mouth? <laughs> right? Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Who has that power? In essence is what he is speaking. So, go. It's done now. You need, Sometimes we need that, how should I say, forceful encouragement, if you will. You can do this. You're going to do this. It needs to be done. I know you can do this. Well, I don't know if I can. Can you open the book and read the words that are in it? Yeah, but I mean, then you, you can do this. You can do this. Well, what if I'm challenged? The word has the answers. Learn it. Now go. Now then go, he says. And I, even I, will be with you, your mouth, and teach you what you are to say. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? Now again, we are reading accounts, learning from the nature of God with man. And uh, this was done directly in those days. Okay, today you and I, we have the Bible. God says, there's my book. We ask God for, why don't you answer me, God? I talk to you, you don't talk, you don't answer me. Well, he has, it's written. Go into the 66 books of the Holy Bible. Read, 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 learn, 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 study, learn. Christianity is a, an educated religion. You need to learn something. So, of course, God here says, it won't be you, it'll be me. Trust in me, and you all will be liberated. You will learn the office of leadership, and you will have great insight, and you will be blessed. But of course, Moses says, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. It's his will. It's the will of God. And who are we to argue with that? Who are we going to argue with that? can't argue with that. I don't want to argue with that. I mean, you can, but I don't want to argue with that. I, argue, I argued against God for long enough. I did that for decades. Yeah, that didn't bring anything good. A whole bunch of scars, a whole bunch of pain and regrets. No, no. God says, do it this way, we do it that way. And there are a great many things to learn. You see how we connect the dots while we read through the text and how we see a true and real application? And it's more than that. It's more than the mechanical practical. It's a depth of love within the heart, of the motive and the passion we must have towards our Lord and Master. Now, you and I, we don't live in the age of Moses. The age of Moses has come and gone, long gone. But we read these accounts because we learn from them, don't we? What things do we learn? The things we've been talking about. Well, aren't we paying attention here? 
Trust in God. Open his book. Read his words. Start in the Gospel of Matthew. Turn off all distractions, all devices. Turn them all off. Just you and this book called the Bible. Don't allow someone to tell you what they think the Bible says. No, you read it for yourself. You open in the Gospel of Matthew and you start reading. Yes, it's tedious through the genealogies. I understand that, but that's for a further time in your faith. That's not for now. Right now, just read it anyways and read the account of a little baby named Jesus being born and read of him growing up and what he taught and read of what happened around him and read how they murdered him and read it again in the Gospel of uh, Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, John, and Mark, and then find out what happens in the in Romans and, and, and in all the letters and all the way. Keep reading it. You may not understand everything the first time. You won't. But you'll understand some stuff. And you'll read it again and you'll understand even some more stuff. And you, you can question. You can investigate. And some of us have been doing this. You can tap into our studies. Be more than happy to share stuff with you. You can reach out to me about what do you think of this verse? I'll tell you. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but at least you'll be able to have the freedom of thought to make your own decision and position. There is an absolute objective, there is an, an, an absolute truth in the doctrine of Christ. You can know it. It will set you free. <laughs> All right, friends, that brings us to a conclusion here on this session episode in regards to our midweek studies in Exodus chapter 4. We've looked at verses 1 through 13. Lord willing, next week we will look into verses 14 through, well, we'll see how far we go there in regards to Aaron to be Moses's mouthpiece. Interesting kind of stuff taking place. Subscribe, like, share, drop a comment, all that kind of good stuff helps the material reach others like you and I out there who might find this interesting. Please consider supporting the work. We need your support. You can. Uh, it's, it's available. It's an opportunity if you're willing and able to support. It doesn't take much as little as or as much you want it doesn't it, it all it, it goes to the work it it, it functions and motivates and creates and and, and and it's a good thing and you have that opportunity you can sign up to addedsouls.locals.com and you can support there there's also the paypal option addedsouls at gmail.com and if you need a physical address just reach out to me i'll be more than happy to have a conversation with you and give out a physical address that's available to you. Supporting the Added Souls work through the Maya family and the mission we're involved with here. This growing, beautiful, healthy work. Laboring alongside the East Coast Church of Christ. Check out the .com, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com, or our Facebook page, East Coast Church of Christ. You are loved. You are appreciated a great deal. Thank you so much, friends. Stay focused and stay positive. Lord willing, tomorrow, our topical theme will be uh, in session uh, we go live from Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. Atlanta Daylight Time. Sounds good? Check out the itinerary. All right. Peace out.